Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. This podcast is brought to you by Lux Wines, importer of fine wines, bringing you exceptional wines from esteemed winemaking families. Allegrini, Argiano, Yerman, Piero Pan, Poggio al Tesoro, Renato Ratti, and Tornatore. Find out more at luxwines.com. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast with me, Monty Ward. And my guest today is Pietro Ratti from the Renato Ratti Estate in La Mora in the Barolo region of Piemonte. Welcome, Pietro. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about family history. Let's start. Obviously, it's one of the most famous estates in Italy. Uh, just give me a little bit about your family history. Yes, I'm uh, the second generation of uh, Ratti winery. My father, Renato Ratti, was uh, the man who uh, started the winery in 1965. And uh, my father was a kind of a legend <laughs> in the Barolo zone, but not just in the Barolo, in the Italian wine in general, because back in that time, he introduced in the Barolo and Barbaresco, but let's talk mostly about Barolo, about uh, he introduced Introduce the new concept, the new philosophy of single vineyards. At that time, we talk about the 60s. The traditional way, uh, method to make Barolo was more to blend from different vineyards, from different communes, to make a Barolo more similar from vintage to vintage. But my father, in 1961, he went to Burgundy. And from Burgundy, he got really totally inspired. And when he came back, he said, I want to make a wine. You know, Barolo is like Burgundy. You know, we have a, you know, like one one, you know, a grape like Nebbiolo is super sensitive to the soil and microclimate. So he said we should um, make single vineyards back again because, you know, the g- local growers, they used to make single vineyards back, you know, in 1800. So in 65, he made his first Barolo from this area called Marcenasco. And he put the name Marcenasco on the front label without the name Barolo. So really like in a French uh, way of uh, making wine. Were his um, friends and colleagues in the village surprised, shocked, angry, or yeah, this is a good idea? When they were shocked. <laughs> of course they were shocked. Because also, because my family, my father, is not, he was not from a wine family. My grandfather was a veterinarian, my great-grandfather was a doctor. So he had no, no connection to a father. You know, you remember, you know, we can, I come from a conservative, you know, agriculture culture is a conservative, rural. And, you know, in that area at that time, in the 60s, people were saying, you can't change anything, you know. Dad has done that for for years. Uh, no, no, papa. Grandfather, <laughs> great-grandfather, yeah, we've always done it. Why exactly. are you trying to change something that isn't broken? Exactly, you can't. By my father, because he didn't have that type of uh, responsibility to a family so he was much more free open to do it and of course some other you know open-minded winemakers they followed him in this new uh, philosophy okay so let's talk about some of the vineyards the single vineyards um, or the wines that you make from single vineyards which carry the vineyard name let's go through them one by one you can choose the order yes uh, we still make so we celebrate this year the 50th anniversary of the Marcenasco so we make uh, 
with the 2015 and Marcianasco is is started as a single vineyard now it's not really a single vineyard it's an area around the wine it was the old name that goes back to the 13th century there was a, the Benedictines they built an abbey and they named the abbey San Martin of Marcianasco so my father found the name and, and now it's a, like a proprietary name but it's in Annunziata in within the town of La Mora and what is the terroir like what are we talking about altitude aspect of the sun soil type we are in the western side of the Barolo zone La Mora is known to have this uh, typical uh, blue marl type of clay you know it's all the calcareous you know from sea origin so we talk about uh, very good uh, soil for Nebbiolo to make you know Barolo wine but uh, the style of, of Barolo from La Mora is elegant because the blue marl they gave they make the, the Barolo more elegant uh, more approachable when it's young it's more accessible when it's young so when you say young are we talking young five years after bottling three years after bottling ten years after bottling yeah exactly let's say if we release now this year the 15 for instance so it's four years you know almost it's already accessible then um, of course a barolo in general you know eight ten years after the vintage is always the best uh, timing you know you know it's uh, you need to be patient a little bit you know with some wines <laughs> sure and what what is a good food match for that particular wine for the marchenasco well, for the marchenasco in general you know barolo is uh, you know meat because you have tannin, you know, but Nebbiolo is a tannic uh, what, would your, what would your favourite meat be? Would it be pork? Would it be beef? Would beef, it be chicken? Beef, of course beef. Spicy? Uh, spicy, yeah, but then it depends how... Stewed? Let's say if it's young, you can also have a steak. Sure, grilled? Grilled steak. If it's more aged, of course, you, you start to have a little bit more aged aromas, you know, a third aroma, so you have, maybe you have to match with some, you know, um, braised something, you know, or maybe with some, you know, if you, f- if you find in the wine mushroom truffle, you might you might need a truffle or, or mushroom also you know it's a good match okay so that was the Marchinasco from the western side of La Mora next single vineyard wine you want to talk about is a conca is a tiny single vineyard so it's just called conca Conca because of the shape of the vineyard. It's, so it's a like conch, a shell. like a conch, like a shell. A conch shell, yeah. A conch shell. So, so it's, it's a little amphitheater. Uh, exactly, exactly. And so the that's altitude, why, like well, um, Conca is about 280 okay. meters, so it's pretty low. I mean, it's not too high, but it's a good, uh, you know, and, it, and it, because it's a conch, it's a shell, it gets more heat. True. So we get about all normally a little bit more licorice, minty. We, we say a little bit in Italian balsamico, not like balsamic balsamic uh, vinegar but in these type of flavors like and because of the microclimate it's a bit warmer so you get a little bit more power also it's normally more powerful Barolo so that's in La Mora as well is it even if in La Mora because it's at the bottom of the hill so you get this type of uh, flavors which is a little bit uh, elegant power (laughs) at the same time and a food match for the Conca pie is pretty much the same like Marcianasco so uh, I mean here you can really beef is off the menu so beef, we either, we're run out of beef so you got to come up with another another uh, dish I don't know maybe some cheese <laughs> no I don't know <laughs> then, uh, what about no, things like but, risotto uh, could you just have a risotto with that or yeah, not also risotto yes maybe a risotto with some um, mushrooms. like uh, mushrooms or exactly something a um, little bigger risotto not like a light risotto sure. with tomato but risotto maybe creamy. with uh, creamy um, beef uh, also yeah. you know some uh, beef or, or mido, mido, you know the midolo also from uh, you know like um Osobuco, something okay. like that, that gives this kind of fatness yeah. to the to sweetness the, from uh, get off, being yeah. off the bone. Yeah, which is very good. Yeah. Right, okay, so that's Conca. And the next. 
yes, we, Sauvignon. Yeah, the next, the third one we make is Rocche dell'Annunziata. Uh, Rocche dell'Annunziata is a double name. Rocche means a cliff. So it's been a, a, a place which the cliff made a lot of erosion. So we talk about the soil still in the, in the, in the Lamora way. But uh, uh, imagine erosion, erosion, erosion of thousands of years. So we have a soil a little bit lighter, like a little bit of sandier, and with the top soil thinner. So we have a really a pure soil. Then the, the second part of the name, Annunziata, is the name of the place. So it's a Rocche dell'Annunziata. And normally it's a Barolo a little bit more feminine because of the of this the sand always give in general sand gives to the wine a little bit more elegance. So here uh, sort of a softness, yeah. Yeah, soft and tannins that tend to be a little bit uh, silkier. And the wine is really a, a, a beauty, especially after a few years in the bottle. The bottle you really get uh, in incredible like, expression of uh, of the is the if La Mora is elegancy I would say Rocca d'Annunziata is the quintessential of the elegant Barolo Silky so you've got, a, so you've got a, I guess a friable sandy soil that warms up quickly for the Rocca yeah which gives it it's probably it's exuberance and I guess a kind of a, quite a soft mouthfeel and then you've got the Rocca which has probably a slightly firmer mouthfeel yeah and then the Marcinasco which kind of has the softness because of the ripeness yeah. and the firmness because of the... For the exactly. Marcinato is a little bit in between uh, the two and okay. it's, um, it's a very good balance, elegant Barolo from La Mora. It's really like an example of a great Barolo from La Mora. Well, Conk, again, is a more personality, a little bit bigger, and Rocca Annunziata is a beauty. Sure, okay. So what are your main markets? My main markets are... Um, we export uh, in the Barolo... But as a winery, because we also make Dolcetto, Barbera, and Nebbiolo. We talk about them. We talk about them. Yeah. yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. Tell me a little bit about the Dolcetto. Yeah, Dolcetto is a native grape. Despite the name Dolcetto, is not it's not sweet. Okay. <laughs> it's a yeah, Dolcetto, Dolcetto means little, little sweet one. <laughs> a little sweet. It's pretty dry actually. So it's a tricky tricky name because it's like the younger cousin of the Nebbiolo. So it got some tannin in a lighter style compared to Nebbiolo, and it's a wine uh, not aging oak because you don't need to age the Dolcetino. So it's a stainless steel tanks, uh, and it's a wine you drink normally in a couple of years after the harvest. Is it's that Dolcetto di Alba? Yeah, I label, I label Lange Dolcetto, which sure. is like a second uh, appellation from Dolcetto, because my grapes, they come from two different uh, vineyards, one in Alba, one in Dogliani. Dogliani, okay. So to match the two. Dogliani, it's written. Dogliani, Do- Dogliani and to match the two, I have to apply to the appellation Lange yeah. Dolcetto and uh, I'm bottling normally like in uh, in the month of uh, April so soon after so the harvest yeah so very 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 yeah very short uh, stainless steel tanks time so it's made to be drunk fairly early yeah you drink early uh, you need to like it Dolcetto sure. we love it because we are from Piemonte we have our palate is a, is a tannic <laughs> palate so what's a good match for a Dolcetto <laughs> Dolcetto will be appetizers sure. you know like a carne cruda mm-hmm. or raw meat um, so raw meat exactly so tartare you know steak tartare we have a typical in the language with the fassona beef mm-hmm. and then uh, a typical vitello tonnato that type of dishes is uh, perfect super okay let's talk about next Barbaresco Barbera Barbera scusa yeah Barbera is the largest grape grown in Piemonte because it's perfectly adapted to any type of soil microclimate so you, you might find Barbera d'Alba Barbera d'Asti you know different appellations I make both 
I've been using the both appellations. Normally, they, were, they are like um, 30 kilometers apart. Mm-hmm. The Asti is a, a, the terroir, soil is a little bit richer, hills are, are, are lower altitude, and uh, so the climate is warmer. So you get a Barbera more powerful, more rustic, a little bit more rustic, very nice, intense, full body, fantastic wine, really, very exuberant. The typical Barbera is from Asti. Then I make also Barbera d'Alba, you know, higher hills, a little bit more complex. Wine, more Lange style. So when you say more Lange style, what do you actually mean by that? A little more refined. Okay. <laughs> okay. But as like a slow burner, it does take a little bit more time to come round. Is it that what you're saying? It takes a little bit more time. Bit more yeah, patience. because, you know, remember the Barbera d'Alba normally, normally is grown in the place where you don't grow Nebbiolo. Sure. So the best part of the hill is taken by Nebbiolo. So we put it uh, in a place where it takes a little bit more time to mature, you know, a little bit cooler. While in Asti, you put it in the best sites. Okay, I'm blind tasting your Barbera d'Alba and your Barbera d'Asti. And before you put me through the torture of, of trying to get this right, because I'm sure I would get it wrong, you have to give me two little hints. Is it right, Monty? One of these wines has XYZ character, and the other one has XYZ character. What would you say to me to help me not make a fool of myself? So, Alba will be more uh, aromatic. Yep. Okay, in the way of more, maybe a little bit more floral. Is that from sandier soils or? Yeah, from lighter soil. Sure. Okay. Asi would be more, would be fruitier. More those Big fruit. So more texture, more fruit texture. More fruit, uh, yeah, like ripe, sure. ripe fruit. So th- and in the mouth, normally Alba is a little bit more elegant, while Asi will be more aggressive, but in a good way. Sure. Okay, so really like takes your palate in a very nice. I love the the acid because of this, you know. I like this wildness of the Barbera because we already have Nebbiolo for the finesse. Sure. So I like the Barbera for its uh, exuberance. Yeah, everything has its place, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's really well organized naturally <laughs> where stuff is grown. That, that makes sense. This variety works on this site, this one on this site. And there's a real, it seems to be there's a real logic uh, to what's going on. Now, in terms of um, existential threats to, um, obviously, the ones we talk about are delicate and powerful at the same time, climate change, how are you dealing with that given that a lot of your vineyards are on steep slopes? Okay, climate change is a big uh, thing for us. There is a positive and a negative aspect because the latitude where we are, 45th parallel, and because we are close to the mountains, close to the sea, so we have a very strong influence of the climate. So climate change made in the last vintage is more a, a better quality of harvest. So which means that normally we used to, to have a lot of rain in September, October. In the last vintages, it happens that it rains less. So we, uh, we benefit of that so um, So it's easier for disease control or access to the vineyard yeah especially in the last portion because disease you get a lot we we live in it in the (laughs) in the disease uh, because we get humidity in the early part of of the summer so we spray basically that's will (laughs) and that's our job okay so that's (laughs) that humidity is coming you're saying from the the Tyrrhenian Sea and also from uh, air from the Alps is that right yeah Yeah, we get humidity from the sea sure okay and they get 
uh, so we get in the summer it's warm and humid so it's the best uh, place for fungus to live <laughs> and so we need to protect the vines by spraying but in the last portion of the season let's say from August we don't spray anymore you just wait and in the past it used to rain at the time normally in September when you really make the quality but now it doesn't rain anymore so we really benefit of more uh, high quality vintages by the opposite what we get is big heavy rainstorms Quick storms, yeah. big really like a, we call tornado it's not a tornado like an american tornado but when it rains it rains like heavy and we because it's steep so we there's a lot of erosion so does that mean that you're leaving every other vineyard row with grass, with wild vegetation? You, you must. So are you sowing you a must. cover crop or sovetio? You you no, sovetio is a different story. So, sovetio is something you need to, to fertilize the soil. So you, you leave, you know, um, you cut it for that. But you need to have grass between the rows. So you prefer leaving just native vegetation, letting that grow spontaneously, rather than going in with a tractor yeah. and sowing some seeds, which may be clover, as you said, that would provide nitrogen or a cereal crop or something else. You let that happen naturally. Yeah. If and I, that acts as like yeah. a buffer, doesn't it? So yeah. when you've got these little leaves on the ground, plants, when the rain hits, it actually slows that raindrop down and means that you don't get um, erosion. Exactly. That's the way our rows, you know, they're they are around the hill. Sure. Mm-hmm. They're not down from the top to the, to the, it's not, we call it ritocchino, but it's around, gira poggio, like this. So in this system... So horizontal terraces, basically. Horizontal. Mm-hmm. That was built, you know, it was made a hundred of years ago because to keep the, the cow sure. working horizontally. Okay? okay, yeah, so the cow could work across the hill rather than going up and down the hill. It was impossible to go up and down it's because you had to push from the bottom to go up. So, and because of that, UNESCO, so the World Heritage, recognized the Lange because of that. Because it's a, most of the viticulture in the world is, down, is, is, is in the other direction. Only few places in the world are like around because it's much more expensive to grow vineyards in that way. But because we are steep, that's the only way to, to do it. But going back to the grass between the rows is very important for erosion. But also another reason is to keep humidity during the summertime. So, so you, the, you avoid evaporation. So the, gra- the leaves of these plants just provide ground cover and shade. And also... Keeping the soil cooler. And also, exactly. And also they avoid the reflection of the sunlight for sunburn. Okay, so you have these white soils that will reflect the sun, so it's, that's quite oh, yeah. interesting. It's, oh, like yeah, it's like a mirror. Yeah. Like a mirror. So you basically, these plants are like growing on top of the mirror and blocking the sunlight, so there's exactly. no... <clears throat> yeah, because we get a lot of uh, mirror, uh, you can get a lot of sunburn from the bottom. So what do you reckon the, the temperature difference, if I have, we have two identical vineyards, yours and mine next, and mine is open, so I just have no cover crops, and you have uh, these this wild vegetation. Will your vineyard be, what, two degrees cooler oh, yeah. than mine, oh, two yeah. or three? Yeah. In, in its temperature but also humidity sure okay so uh, evaporation mm-hmm. because we need to keep the humidity you know the global warming now that's the, <laughs> the other fact we need to keep uh, the roots in a good uh, condition so, so the, the wine roots have some water yeah. if they need it yeah, the humidity because, stays in the ground mm-hmm. so before we used to be like ah oh, we need to struggle <laughs> the vine <laughs> to be more uh, in a different conditions because it was raining a lot now it's the opposite we need to you know remember the vine to make good grapes has to to live well okay you need to to live to have the vine living in a good condition okay final question is about international markets obviously you're a, I mean you are a you know world famous brand in terms of or name I should say rather than brand 
um, because of the, your family history and obviously where you are and the quality of the wines that you make. What, what changes are you seeing in the market to historic denominations and people's approach? Are people buying your wine because they just want to have a ratty bottle in their cellar as a collector, as like a trophy? Or are they buying them because, you know what, I'm going to age this wine and I'm going to look forward to drinking it in maybe 10 or 15 years' time with whatever I'm going to eat. What is the demographic? What's happening in the marketplace? But I don't know. if I hope they drink it also faster because then we, you know, we make wine every year. So, no, but some people, they keep it. And, uh, of course, Barolo is one of those wines. If you forget a bottle in the corner of your cellar, it's going to get better. Uh, so it's, it's fun to, to forget some bottles. Sometimes it's good to buy more and drink. Uh, because remember Barolo, Barbaresco, you know, they're going to be all based on wines when they mature. But when they reach their plateau, they stay at the plateau for a long time. They don't go down. So you, I always say, don't be in a hurry. It's not a wine that takes, you know, when it gets to that, you know, mature, it goes down. So you can wait. It's a long drinking window. Long drinking. You have fine, of course, you need to, you know, to adjust your palate also for, a, you know, aged wine. So it's fun to drink a young, uh, medium, older. So it's really, a, so uh, markets are, palates are changing, style of wine is changing, you know. If you, if you, if you see wines, uh, there was a period of, I call it like more the, ma- the ma- ma- muscular. <laughs> yeah, the muscular wines. <laughs> wines. Because there was a trend of more, you know, more powerful. Now it's more elegant. So we are lo- all look looking for. Um, but that's always been <clears throat> the family style, hasn't it? You've never gone in for yeah. this big blockbustery style yeah. of Barolo. Yeah, because we are La Mora. So at the end, we benefit of that, of this elegancy, and it's uh, which I try to express in the best way possible. Great. So I want to say thanks to my guest today, Pietro Ratti from the Renato Ratti Estate in La Mora. Thanks for going through your single vineyard. We've got a round of applause outside. We've got a conference going on next door. Uh, thanks for your vineyard uh, explanations, which I've personally found very, very helpful. And I hope our listeners have as well. And you have a lot of fans across the world. You're such a famous brand. Uh, but you're a very down-to-earth guy, so well done. I mean, down-to-earth, I mean, he's about, he's taller than this building. So down-to-earth, but down to, uh, down-to-earth in terms of his, per- his personality. He barely fe- fitted through the door, actually. We've got a really high, high door here. Anyway, I'll studio. All right, more applause for you. They, they love you. Thanks. Thanks very much, Pietro. And I hope to see you in La Mora. Thank you. This podcast has been brought to you by Lux Wines, importer of fine wines, bringing you exceptional wines from esteemed winemaking families. Allegrini, Argiano, Yerman, Piero Pan, Poggio al Tesoro, Renato Ratti, and Tornatore. Find out more at luxwines.com. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. 